Hello, and welcome to the Caring Congregation podcast, where we seek to educate and equip pastors and congregational care ministers to develop and implement congregational care ministry and to provide ongoing training and resources to existing care ministries. I'm Reverend Joy Dister Dominguez, and with me today is Reverend Heather Goddess Moore. And on today's episode, we continue talking about human sexuality. So this is part two of a two-part series on human sexuality, especially for youth and young adults, but it certainly is applicable for all stages and ages. So I hope that you, if you haven't already listened to the first episode, it will make a lot more sense (laughs) as we continue our conversation. These are um, difficult conversations to have, and yet we need to have them. The church needs to talk about these difficult, in-depth conversations on human sexuality. So often we try to uh, segment out who we are, mind, body, soul, spirit, sexuality, um, gender, identity, and yet God has made us holistic people. And so we need to have a conversation around that. And we can't shy away from these difficult topics. You may not agree with everything that we say, and that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. The whole point is about listening to different people's points of view and helping to form your own opinion and to understand there are different opinions out there. So, We will get back to part two with Reverend Heather. I hope that you enjoy this. Welcome back, Heather. (laughs) I'm so excited for part two. I could talk all day about this, Um, but let's just jump right in. So in in our first segment of this conversation, we talked about the cultural implications and historical um, facts uh, as far as what has gotten us this far. So let's talk now more about the church, um, the state of the church, where we've gotten it wrong. Um, is there anything we're doing right? <laughs> and what should we do? It Let's, let's be forward thinking um, in your opinions. Yeah. So I generally don't like to use the category, the categories of wrong and right. And Noah always gets annoyed with me because when I start a conversation and it's usually after he's done something that lacked judgment, I will say, you know, it's not about right or wrong. It's about acknowledging the impact you had and taking responsibility. Amen. And he's like, (laughs) you're such a good mom. (laughs) See, I'm learning from, he hates it. He hates it. I mean, he is 15, almost 16. So just to give some, but, um, so, I mean, with that said, I think that the church can do better on all fronts, right? Like you said, are we doing anything right? (laughs) You know, um, there's a lot of growing edges, a lot of places to acknowledge the church's impact and take responsibility. Um, you know, the fear of self-love has been a, a serious concern of the American church since the colonies. That was something also that came out of um, Puritanism and, and became weaponized by uh, evan- evangelicalism in the early uh, United States. But the concern was, and it continues to be, that caring for yourself is self-indulgent, narcissistic, and self-centered, right? So we know this because this is this is part of the... the um, uh, commentary against self-care in today's, you know, uh, culture, but current efforts for self-care and self-love are being attacked by this deeply seated ideal. And, 
um, people who take the time, who do self-care, they're selfish, right? Um, even, well, that was a different thing. I was gonna say, even the Pope said something about people who don't have children who have animal like pets instead are selfish, right? I'm like, okay, we can, we can unpack that in another podcast. Um, <laughs> So there are some really viral videos going around right now that I've seen um, on TikTok and Instagram and you know other uh, places that there are evangelical preachers that are saying this very thing. Like self-care is, you know, it's of the devil. I, I mean, it's sort of saying all kinds of stuff. And at the same time, for many decades, psychology and medical industry has been telling us if you're not caring for yourself you cannot care for others, right? Like this is something that we've been, that we know. So we're being pulled in both directions. Like, so where does the, where should the church fall on this? Um, body positivity and, you know, self-love and, and um, self-worth, I think fall into this. It's part of the self-love, self-care paradigm and it falls prey to the same theological ideals, um, you know, and this is all based in a, uh, to use a, you know, fancy, uh, theological word. Um, it, this all falls from a theological anthropology, right? Mm -hmm. Like the nature of humans, mm -hmm. that they are so far from grace. They're so sinful. Mm -hmm. They're so broken that nothing that comes from us as human depravity. Mm -hmm. can ever yeah. be good. Exactly. Yeah. Total yeah. depravity. You and I both know that this is absolutely not true. It's not <laughs> yeah. even Wesleyan. Like right, it's right. not even the United <laughs> Methodist. Yep. Yep. Yet, yet in our churches, Mm -hmm. that is being preached and mm -hmm. taught and reinforced Sunday. music in Sunday yeah. school in the music <laughs> in the, you know, it, it, everything. Yeah. And, and, um, so for me, if I was to say that the church or specifically the United Methodist church, since that's the water we swim in, like if I, if I was to say that there's a place where we've actually gotten it wrong or we've done harm, if I want to use, you know, UMC terms, it would be that we've turned a blind eye to this kind of creeping Calvinism mm -hmm. and that we've allowed this Calvinist theology to seep into our churches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, like I said before, if we're not teaching something specific about sexuality, if we are not making our own statements, we're making a statement. Amen. We're saying, you know, like, okay, well, what else is out there is fine or various <laughs> other things. Um, and so when we turn away and we let this much, this theology of total depravity take root in our churches, we're going to have a much harder time teaching mm -hmm. that God created humans and saw them good. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a much harder time teaching that God seeks a relationship based on authenticity and transparency and mutuality and trust because, mm -hmm. and that's what we should be seeking too, mm -hmm. all because we have this underlying current in the theology that is being taught in sermons and um, classrooms and other, you know, music and other things that humans can't possibly be good because we're totally depraved. Mm -hmm. We can't possibly attain the kind of relationship with God or with each other because it's antithetical to this theology that, that we're allowing to creep into our churches. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we have to be thinking about like, what do we think about God? What do we think about the nature of humanity, sin, evil, grace, salvation, all of those things inform what we believe about sex, sexuality, body image, gender roles, and the whole list from the last mm -hmm. session. Mm -hmm. So, oh my so good. Oh my goodness. 
you've given me so much to think about. <laughs> oh, if, if the church is going to, if the church this. is going to work to, mm-hmm. to be better about human sexuality in a broader sense, it's going to be better about body positivity. Like simple things that can be done are, you know, catching that creeping Calvinism before it gets added mm-hmm. into sermons or classes or taking yeah. inventory. Music. <laughs> yeah. Like, like don't, don't just buy curriculum because somebody said it was good curriculum. Mm-hmm. Like get a copy of it, look at it, read through mm-hmm. it, ask mm-hmm. somebody who, you know, has an education that can tell you mm-hmm. what is Methodism, what is Calvinist, like what is, <laughs> and make sure, or cut things out. I mean, there's a lot of curriculum that I've, I've, purchased over the years where I've cut sections out. Cause I'm like, I'm not yeah. saying that out loud. Right. Yep. Um, yep. you know, and, and you'll start to learn also educate yourself, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're not well-versed in United Methodist doctrine and, and what we believe, then learn some, some things about United Methodist doctrine, well, you know, um, shameless plug. Doctrine. We have classes here at, you know, at Perkins that Perkins, you can take. Yep. Yeah. And other doctrines as well. If your local United Methodist church um, does not adhere to the, the, the mainstream mainstream doctrine, um, how can you understand different, different theologies that you can then pull and figure out where they're not following the mainstream UMC doctrine. Um, I think that's, that's so important. And and even, you know, we're United Methodism is such a big, big tent that, um, well, we don't want to go down that rabbit trail. (laughs) No, but I think this is a good point. And this is, I mean, because a lot of the things we've talked about would be considered very progressive things, right? Like we're, I mean, and they don't have to be, but the reality is, is, is a lot of the work that I do, like I have conversations with people all over this political spectrum about this. Um, and, and the, the reality is, is everybody has a sexuality. Everybody has a gender identity. Everybody like, identify it or, or, or talk right, about it or not. Right. It's there. <laughs> and so I can have a conversation with like the most conservative old white male. Right. And, and be able to get him to identify things about himself that he believes and, and, and be able to help him articulate his values just as easy as I can, you know, help a, um, you know, trans black woman Mm -hmm. articulate the same thing because Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, it's not about changing minds. It's not about, it's not about changing anything. It's about being able to articulate your own so that you can be your whole self who Mm -hmm. God created Mm -hmm. you to be. Mm -hmm. Now this kind of work is going to bring up questions. Sure. It's going to make you go, Oh, I have never really thought about that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what do I think about that? Why do I think that? Where did I first learn that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite books about body positivity specifically is um, not, The Body is Not an Apology by mm-hmm. Sonia Renee Taylor. Um, and of course, it goes, it goes beyond body positivity and goes into radical self-love. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it has an accompanying workbook, um, which helps individuals take inventory and acknowledge and change internal um, culture and so- and social beauty norms. So like things that we've internalized since we were very young um, and it's mind blowing and life changing. In fact, mm-hmm. we're, we're starting a new book study on Tuesdays um, starting February 15th, a uh, virtual book study on this because we did it last year and it was so good. And it was, it was really very helpful and kind of peeling back the layers to figure out where did I learn that? Why, 
Why do I feel that way? Right. Um, and I think that that is a really important, uh, important thing to do is as we do the work, we have to recognize and lean into those questions. Mm-hmm. And I'll link that book in the show notes. Be yeah, great. sure. That's awesome. No, you're right. I mean, if we, we learn so much along the way and then we get to a point and you're like, wait a minute, there's other ways to believe there's other ways to live. Where did I learn that from? Um, and then how do you unlearn that? How do you change, um, change gears, change perspectives to be more encompassing. Um, okay. So when we talk about youth and young persons living into their holistic self, acknowledging (laughs) the holistic, um, uh, nature of who they, who God has created them to be, how would you start a conversation? How would, how would you start breaching that subject for pastors listening, for youth directors listening, for, for laity who are congregational care ministers, perhaps caring for, for youth and young adults? What would be a good conversation starter? Well, I think that um, the key with young people, especially uh, with youth, um, younger youth, maybe not as much with younger youth, like middle schoolers, you could probably be more blunt and just come right at them with questions. When you get into high school, like there, you're going to want to build the relationship and build, um, you know, the rapport with them so that they will come to you. Mm-hmm. You, um, there are going to be very few situations where you could come to a youth that you don't already have a rapport with and, you know, start talking to them about the dangers of premarital sex. They're not going to listen to you. They don't, they're not going to listen to you. They're going to roll their eyes. They're going to be like, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. And they're not, they're not going to listen. But if you have been over time establishing that you are a safe person to have these conversations, authentic conversations Mm -hmm. with, then when, when they're up against the challenge or when you decide, Hey, we're going to have somebody come in and do a wonderfully made session with us. or we're going to do this, this, you know, Bible study on this book study on, um, you know, something like, uh, the body is not an apology or shameless or something, you know, that, that gives them an opportunity to talk about these things, then they're going to be the ones that'll open up that door and have the conversations. And the most important thing that we can do, whether it be as a youth leader or a volunteer or, a um, or a lay person, pastor, uh, congregational care, like it doesn't matter what your role is as an adult, the most important thing that we can do is control our face. <sighs> Yes. I was going to say that. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. 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 They're going to say things that are going to appall you. They're going to say things that shock you. They're going to say things yep. that you don't know what they mean. Yep. Um, and, and you just have to, you have to let them communicate and, and not because the moment that your face shows judgment or frustration mm-hmm. or annoyance or you know, awkwardness, shame enters the narrative. Ah, yes. Right. Yes. Yes. And here's the reality. Again, if you, if you start reprogramming yourself to understand that sexuality is part of who God created us to be, Mm -hmm. there is no shame in that. Yep. Yep. And, and, and it takes a while to kind of get to that point. So then when somebody comes to you and says, um, you know, I have a spot on my, whatever you, (laughs) you can be like, 
yeah, that happened. So, you know, um, when was the last time you took a shower? When was it? Mm-hmm. You're like, you can, you can start to ask questions that sure. will help them make a decision, mm. you know, and, yes. and the easier it's like, oh, well, you know, um, I think, you know, I think I'm ready to hold hands with, you know, this is like middle school type of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're dating. Oh, really? What does that mean? Like, ask about, like, ask questions like, oh, well, you know, why, why are you dating that person? Like, do you, um, what is it that you like about them? What is it that mm-hmm. you, right? Because then what you're helping them do is you're helping them learn what the requirements are for building intimacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when something happens and they're not happy about how it happened or what it was that happened, you can walk them through like how to set those, how to set boundaries that mm-hmm. will protect them later on down the road mm-hmm. when uh, the hormones get crazy and sexuality starts to ramp up a little bit. Um, so the, the biggest thing is is just be there and listen and be involved and paying attention and, um, and making sure that they know that they can come to you and they can ask you anything and they can say anything without judgment. Yeah. I love that. I, about four or five years ago, I think you hit the nail on the head with the relationship part about four or five years ago is, um, my previous church. And, um, I didn't know this person too well. Although every time I would pass this person at the hall, I would always say hello. And I'm especially uh, cognizant of, of acknowledging and honoring the existence of youth <laughs> and, ch- and children, uh, as, you know, as a pastor, I think that, that's so vital. And, um, this, um, person would start to then talk to me and I would always stop. Even if I was like, almost going to run late to start in worship, I'd always stop and, and ask how their day, how school going, et cetera. And, um, this person then said after worship, um, one Sunday, they said, um, can I talk to you? And I said, of course you can. Absolutely. Would you like to go somewhere private? I mean, cause there's some people and, and this person goes, yeah, yeah, that would be great. And so we kind of went off, um, where other people couldn't hear us, but could see us, of course, safe sanctuary. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and they said, um, and, and I could tell, like, they were about ready to tell me something really that was weighing on them that, that they wanted to speak out loud mm-hmm. and they were looking for just by the body language, they were looking for my facial response. So I was like, ready, I was ready. And they said, um, I think that I'm gay. And I said, okay. Like, and I was really very like, okay. And I just. And this person was like, yeah, I just, I, I didn't know what, you know, how you were going to respond. And I said, well, you were so deeply loved and cared for. And this, just the, that stress and just that release, you could just see in this person's body. And it was just like, you know, and we went on to have a, a great conversation about this person's possible interest in another um, person. And, and I just listened and yeah. And then this person's um, guardian came around the corner and was like, oh, there you are. Hey, let's go. And I was like, so good to see you, you know, take care of yourself kind of, they had to go. And so that was such a holy experience for me. It, it, I felt so honored and I was able to circle back with this person, I don't know, the next time, two, three weeks later and, and just continue that conversation as if, okay, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, what you provided there was 
an opportunity for them to be their whole self. I hope that you find this conversation helpful. Be sure to share it with your laity, your pastors, anyone who may be interested in learning more about human sexuality. We also have additional resources on our website, thecaringcongregation.com, as well as an upcoming webinar. It's this Friday and Saturday, February 25th and 26th of 2022. You can find all that information on our website, thecaringcongregation.com. There is still time to register. So we hope that you will uh, check us out. Be sure to bring a friend. It's an excellent two-day webinar that will be incredibly formative, that will help your team create a congregational care ministry that will be fruitful and um, really reach out into your community in, in new ways to care for others. And now back to our episode. And the reality is, and this, I tell this, I say this to parents all the time who come to me and are like, my kid just came out to me and I'm like, okay, how old's your kid? And you know, I'm like, you're, this is only the beginning, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. Like developmentally, we know their brains do not fully develop until their mid twenties there. And any of us who, any of us, all of us who have lived <laughs> through teenage and twenties, we know that our sexuality is all over the place until like, I mean, we're, you know, we're figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And the, sure. the most important thing is that we make sure that they are safe that they know that they know that we're safe people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that they're loved. That is the yeah. biggest thing is it. And, and it's not, it's not well, like God loves you anyway. Like there's no anyway, God loves mm-hmm. you period. period. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. but your parents will still love, you No, your parents love you period. Right. Like there's no, there are no caveats to mm-hmm. the love. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the ways that, you know, we can help young people, really learn who they are as a whole being Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. feel like it is okay to question and discern and journey to whatever it is that God has for them, you know, and that changes again, that changes, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So once you're married, once you're Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. having kids or not having kids or whatever the, whatever point in life you are, your sexuality is shifting and changing throughout that whole time. The way that I express my gender now is very different than it was when I was in my early twenties is very different than it was when I was in high school and and middle Mm -hmm. school. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it will continue to evolve and change because I, you know, because I'm going to continue to evolve Mm -hmm. and change. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And yet we don't, my goodness, you know, from the first episode that we talked about that aired last week, when we, we first talked about how, um, you know, the church, we often think it's like a once and done thing. Mm. And yet I think of like senior adults even, and I know this is about youth, but even senior adults and what does sexuality mean as a senior adult? Um, that doesn't just go away, (laughs) right? You want an interesting (laughs) statistic? (laughs) Sure. I think it's probably changed (laughs) a little bit since, since I first learned of the statistic, but when I learned it, I was like, Oh, wow. The fastest growing, um, the fastest growing statistic for sexually transmitted infections is retired adults, Mm. like over 65. 
And if you think about it, it makes total sense because they grew up in a time where, first of all, there were fewer sexually transmitted infections, or at least assumed there were fewer. And they didn't get really any sexual education. They don't really know anything about um, safe sex or anything like that. And so, um, yeah, fastest growing, especially like among, you know, you've got divorces and you're remarrying, you're dating and you're, I mean, your sexual ethic changes as an adult and yep. Yep. Wow. Interesting. So why aren't we talking about that? Right. Right. (laughs) We're talking about that. Right. The church. Why aren't we? Because we approach it as a one and done thing. We give them, we give them a sexuality seminar when they're in junior high or middle school. And then we expect them to figure it out from there. And I mean, I think that we need to be talking about it all the time. And I don't mean like 24 hours, (laughs) but I mean, it needs to be a regular thing. Like you, you know, um, if parents are talking about it with their kids from a young age and they're making it, they're, you know, they're normal, they're normalizing the, the topic and, uh, the language and the things. Right. And then the church is, you know, preaching about it on occasion. Um, if they're doing short-term book studies, if they're bringing in speakers, if they're, you know, doing weekend workshops for, um, you know, all different age groups. Like I, I mean, I teach wonderfully made um, most of the time I teach wonderfully made to that fifth to eighth grade range, but I've also taught it with ninth and 10th graders and 11th and 12th graders. Um, because the reality is, is we all need a reminder of all the biological stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we all, especially, especially in the span from fifth grade to 12th grade, like how much do you actually remember Right. From the, right. So, so I think it's important to do those refreshers, but also that you have, you have the opportunity when you're talking with those older teenagers to say like, okay, so we're going to do a quick refresher on mm-hmm. biological parts, et cetera, bodies mm-hmm. and whatever, and puberty. Now we're really going to dig into relationships and boundaries and intimacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You really can get into social media and advertising and movies and like you can start getting into cultural things Mm -hmm. that are establishing helping them establish their own ideals right and values and and then they can say well oh but in my family like these are the things that we believe and this is what I'm learning from the culture and this is how these things come together and this is maybe what I might want to do right Mm -hmm. because they're able to think abstractly and and um you know be outside the box a little bit Mm -hmm. which they can't do in fifth grade. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you constantly have to be having that conversation. I love having this conversation with college students Mm. because you let a young adult, you know, an 18, 19 year old loose on a college campus. They need to have this conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then, and then as a young adult or even in reproductive years, I mean, you know, you know, part of my story of, of four years of unexplained infertility. Oh my gosh. I learned so much, so, so much about biology and how things work and how things have to work and what it takes to conceive and then going the IVF route and what that means. And then again, the, the shame associated with infertility and doing that work to release that and the stigma around it, um, Right. I mean, there's, there's so many things. And, and as we, 
as you start to peel back the layers of the onion, right? So like, as you start to recognize gender roles, for example, you know, in your congregation, in your family, in your school, in wherever, as, as you start to become aware of the way that gender roles are portrayed, then you can start making shifts. If you, when you Mm -hmm, start, mm -hmm. when you are aware of the fact that, and this, I mean, this is the easiest example that a, a woman is never in the highest position in your church, senior pastor. Like you've never had a female senior pastor. Mm-hmm. Like you can look through the room and you can say, wow, there are like 12 girls under the age of 16 in this room. And they've never seen a female senior pastor standing in that pulpit. Mm-hmm. How do mm-hmm. we change that? Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't mean you have to have a female senior pastor. Mm-hmm. But it does mean that you could have females preaching pastors from other, you know, other mm-hmm. churches, um, you do pulpit swaps, you can do whatever, right? Like you can put a female into that role more often. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, other things like that, like you have a, um, you know, you have a couple where the woman is the primary breadwinner and the, the man is staying home. Like you can normalize that. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can invite him to the, you know, preschool day out type mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. You can, you can start changing things from mommy and me to something else. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that it's not about gender. It's not about sex. It's about role. It's about sure. the, the role that you are playing in that child's life. Um, yeah. yeah. But even, even the way that churches, the, the systems are set up, it's so heteronormative oh, that yeah we can't even, we, we can't even step outside of, of the, uh, of that, even to explore what it could look as, what it could look like as different. I mean, I just, I even think of like the systems where you put names in a family members, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Husband, wife. Yep. <laughs> I remember um, when I was, when I was going through my divorce nine, 10 years ago or so, and I needed the document for our tax purposes and the church that we were attending at that point, they couldn't take his name off of it because he was under male head of household and it all had to fall, go through him. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm the one that made sure we tithed. Like what? You know? Right. Anyway, and, sorry. And so, but it's but you're right. It's things like that, and it's being able to go and look and find a congr- a church management system, a CMS, yeah. that doesn't have that kind of nomenclature that does that, you know, says spouse, uh, the, the one that we use has, it just says spouse, but like it only has two genders, male or female. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm in a reconciling congregation and we have some members who identify as non-binary. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay. So we had to create our own little field and we put it in there instead. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it's, but it's, I don't want anybody to think that they have to go in and just like turn over the apple cart. Like that's not, that's not what it is. Right. I think the the really important thing is, and this is true. This is true in any change work, right? Like any work you're doing to change it, whether it be systems or, or, you know, anything is do your own work first. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Gather some friends and say, Hey, I'm going to read this book. I'm going to read shameless. And I think we should all read it together. 
and, mm-hmm. you know, joy is going to come and she's going to lead us through some conversations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to, I want to make sure that we, you know, get some parents together. It's like a bunch of middle school parents, get the parents together and say, Hey, I think we need to go to the youth director and we need to ask them to bring wonderfully made in for the youth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to start, you know, having conversations about, um, you know, let's have a sit down with the senior pastor and say, Hey, would it be possible to invite, you know, um, and of course this is coming from someone who I'm sure gets to preach fairly often. And so, um, yeah, so it, it's, it, and for me, I mean, my husband is a senior pastor at, at the church where we are. And, um, whenever he's not in the pulpit, it is almost always a woman and it's, and it is definitely, if it's not a woman, it is, it's a minority. I mean, it's a person of color for sure. Um, and, and sometimes we get to mix it up and it'd be like a woman who's a person of color or, a, you know, <laughs> a, a, a queer person of color. Like, again, and it has to be right for your context, sure. right? So sure. no one's expecting, um, I'm trying to think of what a good example, I'm not going to give an example, right? Like some <laughs> town and country church, right? right. To right. invite a queer, you know, or a trans black pastor. And like, that's not, mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. one's expecting that. Right. right. But. Um, but if you want to do this work, if you feel called to move the needle on this, like that's where you start, you start with yourself, you start with your circle, your context. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we, you know, move a little bit more, but you have to, um, you have to own, you have to understand your own sexuality. You have to understand your own holistic self. You have to embrace the discomfort because it's going to be there. Um, and of course, as we know, when we are just in discomfort, we grow, right? Like that is the best place for us to grow. And, mm-hmm. um, and when young people are seeing that you're doing that work, they will, they will respect you more. You will gain respect from them. Mm-hmm. Respect isn't just given anymore. Sure. And that's a real hard thing for some adults to understand. Um, but when you, you know, earlier in, in last week's, session, I talked about how kids, like, they won't trust you. They don't, you know, they kind of, you know, aren't going to take you seriously. They'll, they won't, they won't come to you. Um, they will, if they see you're doing the work, if the, if you don't know the answer to the question, that's what it was last week was, was talking about, like, you're afraid. A lot of adults don't want to talk about sex because sure. they're afraid that the kid's actually going to know more than <laughs> Yeah. Um, which is actually probably accurate. There is, mm-hmm, there is mm-hmm. some accuracy to that. And the great thing is, is when your kid, when a kid, you know, a teenager in your orbit, whatever uses a term that you don't know, ask, mm-hmm. just say, huh, that's a new one. I have not heard before. Um, you don't have to be like, what the, you know, you don't, you don't have to, again, control your face. <laughs> yes. This is like a, this is an exercise for me. It's like control your face. <laughs> um, you, you know, you can say, huh, that's a new one. Like I don't, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that I know what that means. Um, can you explain it to me and, and let them be the authority for a minute? Because mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. right. Like if we believe that relationships are built on uh, transparency and authenticity and mutuality, the mutuality is key. They need to be lifted up as much as you need to be lifted up. They need to be an authority as much as you need to be an authority. Um, and you will be surprised at how that works. Mm, that's awesome. Oh, this is rich. I love this. I love this conversation. So thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank it's you. Been fun. 
Yes. So I'm going to link in the show notes, the books. Yeah. And I'm going to ask if you'll send me an email with any other resources that you want me to point people to. Oh, for sure. Uh, for sure. Yeah. I have a couple more that I think will be good, okay. especially for uh, people with young, young kids. Awesome. I could talk all day about this. Oh, and I will have to come up with some other topics. People yes. can ask. For topics. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Please send in your suggestions. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode. If you missed part one, be sure to go back and listen. Also, uh, next week, we have a brand new podcast that will drop on Tuesday with uh, Chris Wilterdink. He is at General Board of Discipleship for um, youth and young adults. And so uh, Reverend Melissa is going to have a conversation with Chris. And I know you're going to want to tune in for that one. Until then, check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com, and be sure to share this podcast with anyone that you may find would benefit from this. Give us a star rating, leave us a comment, and just know that we continue to pray for you, our listeners, as we dive deeper into care and caring for one another. Until then, may God bless you and keep you.